The right habits put you in control of your health, relationships, mindset, and more. But most people lack the tools to stick with those habits long enough to see results. That is about to change. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with your host, habit change specialist and speaker, Stephen Box. Join us each week as experts share their stories, experiences, and insights and give you the tools to build unshakable habits so you can live life on your terms. It's time to take your habits from unsustainable to unshakable. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Box, and I'm joined today by the mind whisperer, Donna Campbell. Donna, thanks for joining me today. And thank you for having me. It is a great to be here and a pleasure. So I'm looking really forward to diving into your story because I got a chance to hear a little bit of it when we talked before, and it's a really interesting story. But before we dive into that, I do want to remind the audience of the framework that we want to look at these stories through, because that framework is what's going to allow you as the audience to take Donna's experience and translate it to your life. So the first thing we're going to look for is the vision. Remember, a vision is not a goal. A goal is a specific thing that we're chasing after. A vision is really an ideal. It's what we want our life to look like. Then we're going to need to develop some skills in order to achieve that vision. So be on the lookout for the skills that Donna developed while she was working towards her vision. And then finally, what are the actions that she had to take to build those skills? So those are the three pieces of the framework that you want to be looking for as Donna tells her story today. So Donna, mm -hmm. I have to ask, how did you become the mind whisperer? <laughs> That's a great question. And um, what happened for me was that I went from a transition from working in the financial services industry into working as an international healer. And it was just through my own life story and my life journey that I made those transitions and it was a natural progression for me. And what I learned how to do was to work on the deeper subconscious, the feelings and emotions that people have that get associated to different events that gets recorded in the subconscious that we don't know is always there. We're only aware of about that happening 10% of the time. The other 90% is in the subconscious running like a mind loop tape in the back of our mind. Well, just like a horse whisperer, just like a dog whisperer, as a mind whisperer, I had an ability to go in and understand where those emotions came from, what events they got associated with, and how to make a change in that using a strategy that I learned from a medicine woman called Pivot and Shift. And when I talked about it to a friend of mine, I said, well, I just start with a conscious thought and I find the thought under the thought, under the thought, under the thought, under the thought, back to the originating set of circumstances and explained what I did for a living. And they looked at me and said, well, I have no clue, but you must be a mind whisperer because you're working on the brain with people to correct behaviors and patterns to uh, move them forward in life. And then the media heard about it. They they ran with it. And that's what I'm known as today. 
It's uh, very interesting. And it's one of those things where you don't ever think of yourself a certain way, right? But other people come along and they're like, oh, this is what you do. And you're like, mm-hmm. huh. I never forgot yes. about that. But yes, that is exactly what I do. Thank you for right? making that easier <laughs> to understand. <laughs> yes, yes. That's exactly what happened. So one thing that you, you said in there that I thought was really interesting, I want to go ahead and point this out because this is one of my unshakable keys that I took a note on already, is that 90% of what we do, mm-hmm. it, it happens in the subconscious. It does. And it's like an automated response system. So it's like when you're walking, you know, down the street or you walk into a house and then all at once you have that moment and you're in a different energy or a, um, you had a reaction and you could feel an emotion going through your body. That is all from the subconscious. A lot of people call that being triggered, but really that's just the subconscious saying, I'm not in alignment with what just happened or in the conscious of what you're thinking. And there's a disconnect. So that is an area that needs to come together to be in alignment um, and instead of having that disconnect. But yes, 90% of what happens is in the subconscious. They're automated responses. It's your programming system, if you were to think of it as a computer, and it just runs on autoplay. So something that's interesting, and we'll jump more into your story here in just a second, but one thing that you're kind of pointing out here that I think is interesting is we're talking about kind of reprogramming your thoughts and you used the word alignment. Now, a lot Mm -hmm. of people, when they think about their thoughts and changing their thoughts, it's all about, Mm -hmm. oh, I have to try to be positive about everything. It's about being in alignment. Yeah. yeah, And and I know as just as an example for, for our audience, if you are say driving down the road in the morning and somebody cuts you off in traffic and Mm -hmm. you get really upset about it, well, you might be able to take a deep breath and calm yourself down and feel like you've moved past it. But on a subconscious level, you haven't. You, you're still mm-hmm. holding on to that anger and that frustration because you haven't actually done anything to let go of it. So mm-hmm. kind of explain to people what the difference between just trying to think positively and mm-hmm. actually getting in alignment is. Right. Well, the law of attraction says your thoughts create your reality. And we hear this all the time. Well, your thought is like your car. So I'm so happy you used that analogy driving down the road and someone cuts you off. You could be driving your Toyota one day. You could drive your Jeep the next day and you can drive your Lexus the next day. But all you're doing is changing out the vehicle that you are driving. And that's like your thought. Now, in order for your car, say you're driving your car, in order for your car to move forward, you have to put a fuel into the car. And different types of cars take different types of fuel. There's regular gasoline, there's premium, there's supreme, there's diesel, there's, um, gosh, hybrid cars and electric cars. There's all different kinds of cars that take different types of gasoline. And if you don't put the right gas, the fuel in the car, your car is not going to go very far. And that's exactly how we work as humans. We have a thought, but in order for that thought to propel forward, that conscious thought, it needs to have an energy or a fuel, which comes from the subconscious. And if that energy is not in alignment with your conscious thought, there's a disconnect. And you can think positively, consciously all day long, 
But if you don't have the right fuel, the right energy going into it, your positive thought isn't going to go very far. So we do this all the time in manifesting. Um, we'll say, I want to have more, more money, or I want um, to have a raise of, or, or, or. And yet on the deeper inside, we feel a lack or an unworthiness or that we can't have it, but we're asking for something. You can change your thought all day long, but unless you change the energy, the unworthiness or the lack feeling, you're not going to be able to invite that more in because it's not in alignment. And 90% is your energy that, well, 100% of your energy is going out, but 90% of that is um, an, an unworthiness or a lack energy, for example. And just like a radio tower, um, and sender and receiver, the universe is going to return that to you not the 10% positive thought because that 90% is a lot more powerful than the 10% thought. So, so for anyone listening to this podcast, make note of that. It doesn't matter if you consciously try to be positive. It doesn't matter if you try to manifest things into your life or whatever, if you don't truly believe that you can actually have them, if you don't feel like you're worthy of having them, you know, even for, for those who might be more spiritual and might kind of think of like, oh, this whole manifesting things yourself thing is crazy. Even if you look at it from a different perspective, if you, if you're reading say the Bible, for example, there is scripture that actually says, you have to have faith in order for things to happen. If you if you, mm -hmm. if you pray for something, but you don't truly believe that it can happen, it doesn't. So we're really talking about the exact same concept here is that you have to believe things on a deeper level. You can't just surface level believe things. So that's a great mm -hmm. explanation of that. Absolutely. And those are that faith is one of the three keys to opening up prosperity doors faith, trust, and belief. And what we get to eliminate are fear, doubt, and disbelief, which is deep in the subconscious. Yeah. So, so I, I love that. That's, that's good stuff. And I don't think a lot of us recognize that. And then especially if we're keeping our thoughts really shallow and we're not getting to that subconscious, then it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where it's like, Deep down, you don't believe that things can happen. You ask right. for it, you put it out there, it didn't happen. And now you're like, see, I knew it wouldn't happen. Exactly, exactly. And it's, yeah, even just the smallest amount of doubt or fear will cancel anything that you're asking for. Yeah, I mean, that's it's crazy when you sit there and think about if 90% of your energy is negative towards something and you're only changing 10% of it, why would anyone think that that would be enough to overcome the 90%, right? Right, exactly. So Donna, take us back to before you were the mind whisperer. Mm -hmm. At what point in your life did you start to realize that you needed to have a change? My goodness. Um, when I was working in the financial services industry, I was a financial advisor and a managing principal of an investment firm. And I was responsible for $500 million of other people's money. And that amount of stress started breaking down my health. 
And I started going in and out of the hospital for two years trying to uncover what was wrong with me. And I knew something needed to change, but I didn't know what needed to change. And after two years, I left Western medicine and I sought out a natural healer who did energy work, who did um, Chinese medicine and was also a naturopathic doctor to see if there was a different understanding of what was wrong with me. And that was when I found out I couldn't digest food, which was kind of really interesting. And it was also incredibly painful, by the way. Um, And when I started becoming healthier, it only took a couple of months. Then I realized what I couldn't digest in the outside life for me was the infidelity of my marriage and the amount of anger that I had or the, and the amount of anger I had absorbed in my life. And I grew up that way, thinking that it was perfectly normal and thinking that because I had less anger in my marriage, then I was doing pretty good. But that wasn't the case. And I didn't know any of that because it was hidden in that deep subconscious. So I made some life changes at that point. And that was when I realized that um, in the corporate world, in the financial world, there was also a lot of anger and I didn't want to be in that environment anymore. So I chose to let leave. And then I moved to an ashram, which was a spiritual living community, because that's what all of the components of my life had in common was me. And I knew I needed to make a change for something. And meditation was my way out. You said something there that I think is also worth noting, which is that not only did you have a lot of this frustration, but Mm -hmm. that it wasn't just your internal thoughts, but it was your environment. It was being in the bad marriage. It was being in the toxic environment. Those things had a significant impact on your subconscious thoughts and consciously, and this just Mm -hmm. reinforces what you were talking about earlier, consciously, you were aware that they were problematic, mm-hmm. but you thought you were in control. You thought you had right. somewhat of a handle on things, but exactly. subconsciously you didn't. Mm-hmm. That's exactly true. And I remember the day that was my breaking point. I had been going to the gym, working out. I had a personal trainer. I was trying to release the excess weight from having a second child. And a year and a half later, I didn't release any excess weight. Um, I kept food logs and diets, and I did everything by the book, and that didn't happen either. So um, at the time that my health broke down and I wasn't able to digest food, that day I had gone out and had gotten a salad to eat because I was still eating healthy, and um, was um, they had replaced all the carpeting in the office building I was in, and so we were smelling all of this carpet glue. And there was no ventilation. We couldn't open up any windows because I was up several floors. And then the very next day, I was incredibly sick and I couldn't even get out of bed. And that was when I ended up in the emergency room. It was just because the environment was toxic. There was environmental toxins. And then the toxins of all the anger of everything around it, it just, everything just broke. And I remember um, going to the hospital and and not coming out for, for a week. What what was that experience like? I mean, kind of help someone who's never maybe hit that breaking point. Maybe mm-hmm. they're 
headed toward that. And they don't know they're headed toward that because, again, you thought you were in control of it. So maybe right. they feel like they're in control. So what what might be some warning signs to somebody that they might be headed down that same path you were? You know, what happens a lot of times is we get stuck in our head and we don't feel what's going through our body. So if you know that you need to make some changes, you don't know what those changes are, or that... Um, that you're might be not heading down the right path. It's to get out of the head and feel the body because the body is the very first indication that something is wrong, not the mind. And so all you have to do is stop yourself, take some deep breaths and assess what does the body feel like? Where do you have pain? Where do you not have pain? Do you have tension? Do you feel the pressure inside? Or does it feel pretty calm and relaxed inside? Because that is going to give you the indication first of what is right and what isn't. And often um, it's the very last thing that happens before you go into those moments of physical level dis-ease because the energy comes in and the energy we send out because we're constantly moving in and out of different energies. And when you have repetitive thoughts or repetitive energies for a long period of time, for me, it was, it was 30 plus years of holding on to all of this anger that I didn't even know existed inside that it finally went into my physical body and just, it just broke. Um, if I would have stopped and it realized how my body felt, I might've done something a little different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It, it really is about mm-hmm. awareness. And, yes. and in this particular instance, it's not just awareness of your thoughts, but certainly pay attention to, are you losing your cool more often? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, are you more uptight? Are you, do you feel stressed all the time? But then also listen to your body. Like, do you have muscles that are constantly getting tightened up on you? Do you have digestive problems? Like all of these things, they could be a physical issue that might just be something Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with your, your emotions or, or what's going on, but they could also be signs of that. So it is definitely, if you have those things, it's worth kind of investigating and seeing, okay, is this an actual physical thing that's just, going on that I can take care of physically. Kind of like you Mm -hmm. talked about with the weight loss. There's plenty of people that weight gain is something that they literally just need to eat better and exercise, right? And that's all they need to do. Mm -hmm. But for some people, the weight gain is a byproduct of what they're holding on to that they may not be aware of. Yes. And mine was anger. Um, I will tell you after my marriage dissolved and they left the house, I quit going to the gym. I quit the diets and the food logs and everything. And if I wanted brownies for dinner, I ate them because I was happy. And because I had released the anger that had been holding on 40 pounds fell off of my body. Yeah. So, um, so yes, for me, it was the emotional weight of anger that I was holding onto that created the excess 40 pounds on my body. And and it's funny you, you mentioned that because one of the things that I actually talk to my clients about all the time is we're not going to do food rules and we're not Mm going to do all this, you know, like, Oh, I have to do a certain amount of stuff. You know, we do a lot of trigger workouts, things like that. They're just Mm -hmm. like, Hey, keep your foam roller next to you. Just remind yourself to foam roll or whatever. Right. 
Because when you start making everything really strict and you start missing workouts or the scale doesn't move the way you want it to, or you start, mm-hmm. you know, getting cravings for food you're not supposed to have, for those who are listening to audio only, you can't see my quotation marks there. Then what happens is that actually creates extra negativity and stress in your life. So now mm-hmm. you're just reinforcing those subconscious thoughts that you're a failure or that you're not good enough or whatever the case may be, you're just reinforcing them because you're giving yourself all these rules. And the Mm -hmm. only person who made up the rules was you. Right. These are rules you put on yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And that was a large part of when I learned about moderation and everything in moderation, including moderation. And if your body's craving something, it probably needs that. But if it's in excess of, then there's a time to make a change. So it's all about keeping a balance. I have I have to write that one down. I, I, I like that. Even moderation needs to be done in moderation. Absolutely. So sometimes you just need to splurge, right? Just just go all out with it, right? We're people, yes. Yeah. Yes. It happens, but it's not a, an all the time thing. So everyone out there listening right now who's trying to lose weight, either just gave the Scooby-Doo confused look moment to their, uh, to their speaker, or <laughs> they like jumped up and started celebrating that. <laughs> One of the two just happened. Right. Right. Just be happy. And if you're in the happiness, then that's going to go so much further. Now, in order to do that and be happy, you're also not going into, Oh, I shouldn't have, couldn't have, uh, the should have, would have, could have. Don't create the regret after you do it. You have to stay in the happiness. That's the trick. So after you went to the hospital, Mm -hmm. this sounds like it might be kind of where your vision for where you wanted to go started to come in. Mm -hmm. And and I think a lot of times people have this idea that vision is going to automatically be this clear cut thing. And unless you're intentional about sitting down and creating a vision, it's not going to be this super clear cut thing. But kind of walk us through what was the vision that you had coming out of that hospital Where did you want your life to go after that? Right. I was in and out of the hospital 30 out of 45 days. And then periodically, um, usually on a monthly basis um, for the next two years. And I went from my family medicine doctor to gastroenterologist to other specialists to an internal medicine to um, end up having surgery at the end of two years where a perfectly healthy gallbladder was removed because I didn't pass the gallbladder function test. And what I learned at that time was the body had a healing priority system. So when one organ wasn't working, the other organs would come and say, here, I will help you. And so I was diagnosed with gosh, everything. I had a stomach viral infection. I had acute pancreatitis and they kept changing the diagnosis of what it was and my medication about every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So this went on for about two years and it wasn't until I went to the naturopathic doctor and I started looking at things from a natural point of view, went off all medications, all anything that I was taking and started rebuilding my body when I was beginning healthier with vitamins and supplements, that I realized I needed to make a drastic lifestyle change. And it was in those moments I started studying with a Zen Buddhist monk who was in town um, learning meditation. And it was when he taught us a walking meditation and said, this is a metaphor for life. 
you guys were very mindful about where you were, your placement, um, your feet, how far you were in front of someone, how far behind someone you were. And he said, this is a metaphor for life. It's not something you do for 10 or 15 minutes a day. It's a way to live. And that was when I knew I wanted to live in this meditative state. I wanted to embody this because it was a very peaceful, calming, centered, balanced energy. And it was vastly different than everything else I had experienced that didn't work for me. So that was when I moved to the ashram to learn how to embody meditation as a lifestyle. And that's what I do today. So, so when you talk about like a walking meditation, because mm -hmm. I think most people, when they think of meditation, it's, you know, sitting down with your legs crossed and your hands open and going, um, <laughs> over and mm -hmm. over, right? Exactly. So, so talk, talk to us a little about what is a walking meditation or what is just meditation in general mm -hmm. outside of the preconceived uh -huh. idea we have? Right. So the way he taught us the walking meditation was he had our group stand up and we were in a circle and he had us walk in a circle for 20 minutes. Uh, your only job during that entire time was to have complete awareness of where everything was in the room, the other people, how the pace, um, where your placement of your feet were, your body, all of that. So it was about complete awareness. And when he said it was a metaphor for life, he meant that this is the state to live in, whether you're driving your car, washing the dishes, tending the children, cleaning house, working. This is the state of mind to be in, complete awareness. And what I learned was it's just a shift of your brainwave patterns. Um, you know, to be in a beta brainwave, I'm talking, you're listening, we're in beta brainwaves. But also in those beta brainwaves, we have some of those feeling words like um, frustration and anger and resentment and anxiety and depression in the higher beta brainwaves, the stress, the pressure, the worry. When you start lowering the different brainwave patterns, it happens naturally for every person throughout the day. The next level down is the uh, alpha brainwaves, and this is where we start to daydream, and you start to feel good, and you're thinking about your vacation trip, or you're seeing what, you know, you're imagining what's happening at a meeting that's coming up, and then the next level down is a theta brainwave, and that's the meditative state, and it's also an energy of where we can just be without thought. So we do this naturally every time the sun rises, we go through all those being ray patterns. When the sun sets, we go back through them in the opposite order because we need them to go to sleep. So a theta brainwave is when you're awake, but you're asleep, but you've been dreaming, but you woke up, but you know you were asleep. And that's a theta brainwave and that's the state of beingness to be in. So there's a way to do that and yet consciously live and still be active, still talk, still do all the things that you need to do. Um, in that. And that's part of what I learned between the ashram and some different studies of how the brain actually works. It's, it's kind of cool because what you're really talking about is you're taking this concept that some people might call like a woo-woo concept, right? Of, mm -hmm. you know, the meditation or thing, but you're not just leaving it at that. You're really kind of attaching the science to it also. It's like, right. oh, look, there, there's actual science here. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of you have to tap into what we know is actually there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you can be in different brainwave patterns all at the same time. We have two hemispheres of our brain, so we can run multiple brainwave patterns simultaneously. Um, 
what I find really interesting is that you can be in a um, beta brainwave actively working, but when you start to drift off and think about your vacation or what's coming up the next couple of days, that's that alpha brainwave. So you can be in a beta brainwave and an alpha brainwave simultaneously. The same thing with beta and theta. The same thing, there's other, there's two other brainwave patterns as well. And we alternate between them and they can run supersonic fast. You can have multiple ones in the same fraction of a second. But when both of your hemispheres come into alignment and they're running just one brainwave pattern, so um, this is where you see people bend spoons, uh, levitate, um, astral project, um, bilocate, different things like that that we think are woo-woo topics out there. It's because they were trained in such a way to have their brainwaves in both hemispheres run in synchronization. And when that happens, you can do those things. And that's the whole practice of those, of the different um, yogis and the different uh, people that we hear about um, around the world. It's just that they trained in such a way that they got their brainwaves in synchronization. And kind of speaking of that, one thing that you were telling me when we talked the other day that's kind of interesting is when you do a session with a client, Mm-hmm. you're able to really kind of almost be in the room with them, even though you're far apart and you can actually sense what they have going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because physics says there's no time or space and you can take a cell from a liver and put it in one country and take a different cell from the same liver and put it in a different country And if you traumatize the cell in one um, country, the other one will react and respond as if it was also traumatized, although it was never touched. And it's because everything is connected. In this case, it's connected by DNA. So what happens here is for me to work on a client, you can be in any set of brainwave patterns. I'm the one that goes into that meditative state. And then we are all energy. So I can merge my energy with that person's energy and it creates a third energy field. It happens naturally anyway. It's like when you're walking down the hallway and you walk into a group of people and you feel the energy shift and change because they're in a different emotional state than, than what you may have been. So what I do is we merge those energy fields together. And because of that, I can feel and sense everything going on with the other person. So we don't have to be in the same place. And then even if we were in the same place, we wouldn't naturally be touching anyway, because um, there's always a space in between even all of your own cells. And that's where your divine essence is. And that is where um, that energy is that goes through the body that creates the life that we live here. So it's, it's an emerging of energy fields, and then you can sense and feel everything that's going on with the other person, do the reading, see what needs to change within them, and, and through the series of asking questions, they'll uncover what that is for them. It, it's interesting that you, you kind of use this example of walking into a room with other mm-hmm. people Because one thing that I've even noticed in my own life, especially over the years, is I've become more aware Mm -hmm. of my own body and things that I have going on and and what my subconscious has going on. 
is I've become very attuned to the energy of other people around me. Because mm-hmm. I'll go to, say, a sporting event where everyone is happy and they're excited to be there. And I can be around 80,000 people. And it mm-hmm. doesn't bother me at all. I, I enjoy it. Yet, right. I can go to the grocery store where everyone's in a rush and everyone's hurried and everyone's mm-hmm. frustrated. And I can't be within two feet of people because yes. the negative energy coming off of them just, like, it makes me you feel frustrated. It. Yeah. Right. You feel it and we absorb it. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's funny you said that because I, I've noticed it myself where it's just like you can literally mm-hmm. feel their energy and you can feel the impact that it actually has on right. you. It does. And it's like, you know, going to that office meeting, you know, before you even get there, when you're walking down the hallway, if it's going to be a good meeting because everyone made their numbers or a not so good meeting and you, we all need to step up to the plate a little bit more. You feel that long before you even get there. And yes, Walmart feels different than Target. Target feels different than Costco. And Costco feels different than, um, say, the mall. And then, of course, Tiffany's. That's a whole different end of the spectrum. That feels completely different than the rest of those stores. So yes, there, there's an energy with it all. And you feel it. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of it comes back to going back full circle here. Mm-hmm. It's the subconscious thoughts of people. Yes. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily, I mean, they may notice some of it consciously, but it's really their subconscious that right. is, we're it's, picking up on. Right. And everyone's sending out those frequencies and we're all feeling it and they're all bringing it back in to go into that shared energy field. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a great example of that, so anyone who's ever gone into a meeting with their boss and their expectation was that it was going to be a bad meeting, right? It's mm-hmm. maybe numbers are down or whatever. And if you had one of those bosses that, and this was the first time you saw them do it, but they just came in and said, hey, look, you know what? Things are rough right now, but we can get it back. And they're really positive about it. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen this happen. Where people, because they went in expecting negativity, mm-hmm. actually somehow come out negative about the positivity. Mm-hmm. Because subconsciously, they've already decided this is a bad situation. So they mm-hmm. can't even force themselves to see that something positive happened because they went into it expecting to get yelled at and screamed at. And Exactly. 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 And... Um, Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's because of the subconscious programming that's in there that made it shift and change that um, of what their expectations were to what the actual reality was. And it's all the stuff that's in the subconscious. So Donna, just real quick to kind of recap for people. So for you, your vision was something that formed over time, which is a pretty normal process. Mm -hmm. It it started with you realizing that you need to get out of your marriage, that you need to get out of your work environment. It was going to the hospital, being physically sick. And then Mm -hmm. finally, it wasn't until you came across someone who could help you physically, did you start to really get this vision and you you understood, you know what, I really want to learn more about this meditation. I want to learn more about understanding my subconscious. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then you, you actually went somewhere so you could develop those skills. Mm-hmm. And then while you were in the process of learning those skills, 
even though we didn't talk about it, I'm making an assumption here that there was a daily practice of doing things that actually built those skills up is, is kind of what right. you were doing when you were there. Right. And even before, um, because yes, um, it's like building a muscle. You don't get fit overnight by going to the gym and doing one workout. You have to go and do those reps. It's a repetition with it. And that's how it is also with meditation. And it's about the, the repetition that you do to get into that natural state of living. Um, do I still do different exercises in meditation today? I do. And it was a daily practice to, for me to get into that state of beingness. And because I've done it for so long, I'm mostly there. Now, when I feel like I get out of sorts or some things are not in alignment or say I take a couple of days off, I have to sit back down and refocus my mind to go back there and to go back into that state. Absolutely. Because it's still a practice. It's something still to be embodied. But the awareness level of that, it's less and less today than it was even 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's something that I know I've actually worked with people on in the past too, is kind of understanding when it comes to building an unshakable habit. We talk about mm -hmm. that being something that happens really automatically because that's what habits are. They're behaviors that we usually mm -hmm. aren't even aware of. And mm -hmm. so when we're building a habit, it's not a habit yet. It's just a practice. Right. And so as we're practicing, we become more aware of, we get more skilled it kind of happens automatically, but sometimes when we automatically do something, we'll, we'll go back to our car driving example. You know, you've driven from work to home so many times that sometimes you look up, you're like, wait, how did I even get home? Right. You don't yes. even remember consciously driving because you've yes. done it. Everything is on auto. The danger in that is that we lose focus. And when we lose focus, we can start to make mistakes. And sometimes mm -hmm. if we don't bring ourselves back into that alignment, if we don't realize that we've maybe started getting some bad habits sneaking in there because we put everything on automatic, mm -hmm. then we can go too far down. So it's, it's good if you're at least checking in every now and then to go, hey, I know this is pretty, pretty much automatic for me, but you still want to practice certain things daily to keep mm -hmm. them a little bit active in your mind so that way you don't go off the path. Mm -hmm. that can happen for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Even, even for someone who's highly skilled and trained in it already, it can still, they still happen. practice. Yep. And even the best, even the best athletes out in the world, they will go and play their game. And then they still watch the game tape to mm -hmm. see how they could do it better. The best yep. speakers in the world do the same thing and get feedback about how they could speak it better. Yeah. So everyone, it's always a muscle repetition. It's a practice. Um, it's a rep. And even though you're there in that state as a habit, you're always looking to see how to improve it, yep. how to make it better, and to stay focused in that. Absolutely. Well, Donna, thank you so much for coming on today, sharing your story with us and sharing the insights that you've given us. If someone wanted to work with you, what would be the best way for them mm -hmm. to get a hold of you? Um, the easiest way to get in contact with me is just through the website at DonnaCampbell.com. 
And then if you wanted to follow me on Instagram, you can always direct message me there. And you can also um, find it under Donna Campbell. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on today. And I look forward to uh, chatting with you again in the future. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please subscribe at unshakablehabits.com slash YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. You can learn more about Unshakable Habits at unshakablehabits.com. Until next week, be unshakable, my friends.